He is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning Easter service. We're so glad that each one of you are here this morning. Are you glad you're here? All right. Are you ready to worship your God? All right. He is risen. Let's sing it out. Christ the Lord is risen today. Here we go. Two, three, four. Christ the Lord is risen today.
But before you sit down, why don't you turn around and greet one another. Wish them a happy Resurrection Day. And let's just praise God. God, we thank you. You are so amazing and kind that you would consider us to be worthy to be saved. And, and God, I know so many times we just don't feel like we're worthy of anything. But you gave your son to die in our place. This is the day that we celebrate because he conquered sin and death to give us hope and a future, an eternal future. That we don't have to fear death. That you remove our sorrow and our suffering and our shame. And you paid that price. God, we want to honor you with our voices and our lives and even, even these tithes, these first fruits of that which you've given to us as an act of worship. Lord, may you be honored today. And I would pray, Father, if there's anyone in this room or watching online that doesn't know you, that today would be their day of coming to faith in you. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. consequence or beauty to make him stand out. Yet he was despised, rejected by the very ones he created. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Not just a man acquainted, but the God-man who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He endured the breaking that made us whole. Silent like a lamb led to the slaughter, Jesus went to the cross. But his fate would not be left to the hands of men, for God would be glorified even in death. For it was the will of God that by his wounds we are healed.
saves us.
Jesus, go ahead. You can give him a clap. He's so worthy of our praise. This Jesus that rose from the grave, he is right now seated at the right hand of majesty on high, worthy of all the glory and honor and praise and the power that we can give him this morning. Most worthy. Throne, 
us hope, it brings us purpose for life, and it actually gives us life. So we thank you that you are the one who came, and you made a way for us to have fellowship with you. We thank you that you are the one that rose again. We thank you that you are that name that is above every name, and soon, very soon, every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus, you are Lord. And so glory, honor, power forever and ever belong to you. We thank you that we worship a risen Savior this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Peter, stop. We'll get the guys to help with the search, and then we'll divide up, all right? We'll have Andrew take the north, Bartholomew will take the bottom. Peter, stop! Look, I'm just as confused about this as you are. Someone stole them. That's the only logical explanation, John. Wait, 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 okay? Look, what we witnessed today... I, I, the guards, they took him. We have to move swiftly. We have to rebury the body properly. Look, Peter, stop! Okay. We need to go tell the others. Tell them what? What we saw. We saw nothing. Exactly. John... Do you not understand that they are trying to stop us? That's why Jesus kept waking us up to pray. That's why they got to Judas. That's why. That's why they arrested Jesus. Just the other day, I was looking at him. I was looking him in the eye and I, and I told him that I loved him and that I would follow him to the ends of the earth. He was supposed to be our king. He is a king. 
When we were in the tomb, I remember something Jesus said. The linens were just lying there. They, they were just lying there. No, no. Think bigger. Look, all of this, all of it was supposed to be preparing us for this moment, for that empty tomb. We just couldn't see it. Couldn't see what? Okay. When Mary came back and said that the tomb was empty and that the angel of the Lord was there, that's when it started to come back. John, enough. We can reminisce about this later. Jesus is missing. We have to go find him. He's not missing. That, that's the point. Look, he was trying to tell us about this. Jesus was preparing us for this. He's risen. Peter, he's a different kind of king, and he always was. Peter, you remember that night Jesus asked us who we thought he was? When he called me Satan? Yeah. Yeah, I called him... Lord of all, Peter. We just didn't understand. But he's gone. No. He's risen. He did it. 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 Peter, he's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He did it. Do you hear that word? He's risen. Only through the eyes of faith can you see Jesus has risen. Do you believe it? But what if he didn't? Think about the implications. What if Jesus really didn't rise from the dead? What would it be if they showed up and the stone was still in place? The body was still in the tomb. Well, there would be no payment for your sins. There would be no hope of resurrection. There would be no hope of life. When we think about the implications of that, it's challenging to us. We put our faith in that which is not seen. We believe in what isn't seen. We think about that and, you know, in talking with people through our community and it's really hard for people to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Many people will look at Scripture and they'll say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a great story. Kind of like Aesop's fables or these other things. No, the Bible is not story. The Bible is actual accounts of eyewitnesses. But a lot of people really struggle to see that Jesus really is alive, that he's risen from the dead. And if he's risen from the dead, and he has, what does that mean for us? 
for all those that have put their faith and trust in him, they have eternal life. It's a promise that he's given to us. And when we take a look at the empty tomb, the empty tomb is the first visible evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. They were there. Those eyewitnesses. You know, it's interesting. A while back, uh, a guy by the name of Gordon, he was a man, an archaeologist, that did a bunch of research in Israel looking for the tomb of Jesus, and he found what's today called Gordon's Calvary. It was a really a, a cave with a uh, just a trash pile, and they cleaned it all out, and he really believed, based on the archaeological dig and, and all of the different things, that it was the tomb of Jesus. What's interesting is he had that dirt analyzed for any human element, any human body elements and such, found absolutely no trace of, of any decomposition within the dirt. He's alive. He's alive. And if he's alive, then that means if we back it up to the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Well, then you've got to ask the question, what is the it? It is finished. The it doesn't mean everything pertaining to eternal life. The it means it's the first step that your sins are paid for. You see, our salvation is dependent on both the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We believe in the sacrificial death, the atonement of Jesus, dying on behalf of us for our sins. A perfect man paid the penalty for sin for everyone who is imperfect. And that's a universal payment for anyone who would believe. And he literally died and was placed in this tomb and literally rose again, conquering death within that. The it really means that the debt was paid in full. The word is tetelestai. It means paid in full, complete. And all three, death, burial, and resurrection, are essential foundations for faith. We read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter. 15 verses 14 to 19, Paul would write this. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testify against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. And you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are all men to be pitied. What is Paul saying? What is Paul saying is, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again, and that's not true, then you should be pitied for believing a lie. But the fact of the matter is, we rejoice. Look around the room for a minute. See all these people. You know why you're here? Because you believe Jesus rose again. And for over 2,000 years, the church has been gathering on Resurrection Sunday and on Sundays. Because Sundays are the Lord's Day as a reminder of the resurrection. And everything comes back to 
the day that everything changed for mankind, the hope in the future. John gives us an account of this. We're going to take a look at John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. And it's our hope that as we take a look at this, that we can see Jesus through the eyes of faith. I'm going to ask that you stand as we read this passage. John 20, 1 through 10. We stand out of respect for God's Word. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb, while it was still dark, and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first and stooping down, looking, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but didn't go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him, and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which was on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in the place beside it. And so the other disciple, who first came to the tomb, then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again, to their own homes. May God bless the reading of this word. You can be seated. So we come to the first person that came to the tomb. Mary Magdalene. She comes to the tomb and she sees the stone rolled away. She saw the stone rolled away. And what was her first inclination? What was her first assumption? Somebody stole the body. Question. Was Mary looking at the open tomb through the eyes of faith or the eyes of human understanding? Human understanding. She saw the tomb open. She said, somebody must have stolen his body. Had Jesus already told the disciples and told Mary that he would rise again on the third day? That was information that they had. He had, he had mentioned it multiple times within this. But Mary comes to the tomb, sees the stone rolled away, and it was early in this morning, and it was the third day, as promised. Now, what was interesting is Mary and the women came. They weren't able to participate with the body. So, you know, as I shared earlier at the sunrise service, the women had to come fix what the men couldn't do correctly. <laughs> Joseph and Nicodemus, they brought 75 pounds of spices, but the women went, bless your heart, you're not going to do it right. We're going to fix it. So they were coming to the tomb, but Mary saw this and she freaked out. She ran. She took off. And within this, they had all of these challenges. Now, you think about this. You've got a group of women. They get up early. The sun is not up yet. They're walking to the tomb and they've got this concern. What's the concern? This big rock is in the way. How are we going to move the rock? I don't know. They didn't know that there was Roman guards. They didn't know there was Roman seal. But how are we going to move this rock? We don't know. But God removed all the obstacles so that they could go into the tomb and see that Jesus was not there. But Mary didn't make it that far. She looked at the tomb through the eyes of human understanding. The lens of her humanity 
So many times we look at our situations and circumstances through our own human eyes. Through the eyes of our humanity and we see and we don't understand and then we say, God, why? We jump to the conclusion that's negative. John doesn't reference the earthquake or the angel that's sitting on top of the stone, but he does show Mary's first reaction. And she sees this stone that is there. And the stone that was gone. What would it have been like if Mary would have gone in the tomb? He said he would rise again. In fact, in Luke chapter 18, 31 to 33, is one of the accounts where he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon, and after they have scourged him, they will kill him. Note, and on the third day he will what? Now, if you were to check the boxes and go, well, he was handed over and he was beaten and he was scourged and he was mocked, just like he said, then he'll rise again. But she couldn't see it. And that open tomb should have been the first sign that Jesus was resurrected. In John's Gospel, there's lots of different signs. Excuse me. Within that. And John gives many different signs to be able to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. So Mary runs to the disciples and says, They stole the body! Now the disciples, being the hyper-spiritual ones, heard the news and said, Oh Mary, He said He would rise again on the third day. Mary, let's go back to the tomb and let's see the empty tomb. Because he's not there. He said he would rise. Is that what they did? No. They beat feet. Peter and John, in John's account, he doesn't ever name himself. He just says the other disciple or the disciple that Jesus loved. Because John and Peter had this little thing going on. And, and so they talk about going back and, and running to the tomb. Now, Mary is desperate and John and Peter, they go running and after this, and, and they think about this. And they think about these grave robbers. You know, it's interesting to me that while the grave robbers are very common, it was something that, that Pilate would think about in the excuse, how do we explain the, the, the body missing? Let's just say they stole the body. Why? Because everybody will believe a body gets stolen. Why? Because it was common. In fact, in Matthew twenty-eight thirteen to 15, it was the excuse that they would use to give an answer why Jesus' body was not there. It says, and it said, you are to say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. Wait a minute, the Roman soldiers were asleep on the job? The fishermen and tax collectors are stealing the body? And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took money and did as they instructed it. And this story was widely spread among the Jews even to this day. How do we explain the missing body? Let's create a lie. Let's create a lie. Let's cover it up. Why? Because even the religious leaders, even Pilate, they couldn't, they couldn't deal with the missing body. 
Let's try to excuse. They didn't have eyes of faith. They were looking at it through human understanding. Why? Because there's no way, no way, a man would rise from the dead. Sorrow and grief and doubt will blind your eyes from seeing the risen Lord. Think for a moment at all the people that you know that don't know Jesus, that are not saved. What's keeping them from seeing Jesus? Maybe it's sorrow. Maybe they feel God's let them down. Maybe they're blinded by their own sin or their own selfishness. Maybe it's just their own human understanding. There's no way a guy could ever rise from the dead. Let alone God come down and die on the cross for my place. So what do we do? We need to show them. We need to share with them. We need to help them to see through eyes of faith. Because only through the eyes of faith can you see Jesus. Only through the eyes of faith can you believe that Jesus is Lord. So in verses 3 and 4 of this passage, we see Peter and John, they're running. So Peter and the other disciple go forth, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple ran faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. I love the fact that John is writing this. And for all history, he will always say, I beat Peter to the tomb. I outran him. And so within this, they, they both run. But what's interesting is they're both running at the same time to the tomb. Why? Because they just can't believe what's going on. They can't understand it. They can't comprehend it. Peter and John come in, and in verses 5 through 7, it tells us that they saw the same evidence. They saw the same thing. But they had different responses. Do you know you can be in a church service... And you can hear the same message and one person will hear and believe and the other person will hear and not believe. The same evidence that, that God loves you and gave His Son for you can be presented to you. One will believe and one will not believe. It's interesting to me that it's really through the eyes of faith that we believe. Have you ever come into a church service and you say, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding that I might see you? You approach God's Word, Word of God speak, so that I might understand. And a lot of people will say, well, I just don't understand God's Word. I read the Bible, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. Can I help you? Stop. And pray. God, I confess, in my own ability, I don't understand your word. Would you open the eyes of my understanding so I could hear you and see you? Help me to understand your word. You pray that prayer, I guarantee God will help. God will give you that understanding. John gets there. Peter gets there. And we see their personalities pop out. John gets there and he stops. And he looks in. He sees the linens laying down, and he sees the face cloth folded up on the other side of the bed. It's really cool that Jesus made his bed before he left. 
And the text says he saw and he believed. Peter goes bolting right through, pushes past God, get out of the way. Goes in and he goes in and he sees and he's like, what? I don't get it. I don't get what's going on. What happened? He sees all of this and he didn't believe. Seeing the same thing, empty tomb. Seeing grave clothes. And by the way, the grave clothes, as depicted by John, was as if the body would go through the clothes. So they were all laid in place. Yet the face cloth was off to the side. Which is just amazing. What did John believe? It says he saw and he believed. What did John believe? Did John believe Mary's report? They stole the body. He believed the words of Jesus that Jesus had previously spoken. They came back to him. When God speaks, he speaks truth. And when you spend time with the Word of God and His truth, when you come to those situations of doubt or despair or frustration or whatever the case may be, because the Word of God has already been implanted in your heart, when you come to those things, then the Holy Spirit brings it in and the Word of God speaks. And then you can believe what has been given to you. Mary's report was out of doubt. Someone stole the body. No, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, just as he has said. Now, they struggled with the understanding of how this happened. In fact, verse 9 says, they had yet to understand the Scripture. Can you believe but not understand? Yes. Actually, that is the essence of faith. The essence of faith is believing that which you don't understand, that you can't comprehend. What was the scripture they were talking about? It was prophesied in Psalm 16, verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul in Sheol, the abode of the dead, nor will you allow, note, the Holy One to undergo decay. God will do amazing things in your life. And His Word will speak in your life. And you'll go, I didn't see that coming. And then you'll go back and you'll go, Oh... That's what you were talking about. Because God reveals Himself in unique ways. Very special ways. It's, it, I love the fact that Jesus was not trying to hide anything. He said, I will rise on what? Which day? The Now the disciples, they're not rocket scientists, but they can count to three. And so He had taught them, in fact, eight different times, but again, even here in Mark chapter 10, 32, 34, again, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed at those who followed, were fearful, and again, and he took the twelve aside, began to tell them what was going to happen, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests, the scribes, and they will condemn him, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, scourge him, kill him. Three days later, he will rise again. It wasn't a secret. You know what else is not a secret? What else is not a secret is that Jesus loves you. 
And then He's coming back for you. And the minute that you stop existing here, you're in His presence. And there's eternal life waiting for you. There is no fear of death. Because by faith we accept all that He has given to us. It's interesting to me that the chief priests and the Pharisees actually remembered the words of Jesus when the disciples forgot them. Matthew chapter 27, 62-63. Now on the next day of the prep, after the preparation, so this would be on Saturday, Jesus died on Friday. On Saturday, chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that he was still alive, that deceiver, after three days, I'm going to rise again. Now, they weren't believing that Jesus was going to rise again. They wanted to make sure that there was no deception. What were they worried about? They were worried about the last deception being greater than the, what they believed was the first deception. He's a deceiver. And if his body goes away on the third day, then everybody's going to believe he rose again. So we've got to make it to where we cancel the resurrection. Question. Can you cancel God? Can you cancel the resurrection? Okay, let's do this. Let's cancel the resurrection. Let's put a big rock in front of it. And then we're going to get a rope and we're going to stretch it across the opening. And we're going to get a little bit of wax. And we're going to put the wax on there. And we're going to take the Roman seal. We're going to stamp the Roman seal on that wax. Surely, God is going to respect the Roman seal. Does that sound ridiculous to you? It's amazing how ridiculous a human being can be to think that he can... Outdo God. Angel comes, rolls the stone away, breaks the seal. Why? Because God is sovereign and He's not going to bow to the Roman government. And so within this, we know that the stone was rolled away. John saw and believed. John's faith was a simple faith. He's seeing in what, he's believing in what he can't see. He can't see the body of Jesus. Therefore, I believe Jesus at His word. I can't see the body. But Jesus said He would rise again within this. There is a difference between those who see and believe and those who believe but can't see. In fact, there was a guy by the name of Thomas. You know him. We call him what? Doubting Thomas. Why? Because on the resurrection day, Jesus appeared to all the disciples except Judas because, well, he was gone. And Thomas wasn't present. Thomas found out about it. And he says, I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail prints in his wrists. Unless I put my hand in his side within this. In fact, in John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29, it says this, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, which means twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. 
After eight days, the disciples were again inside, Thomas with them, and Jesus came in the doors having been shut, and stood in, in the midst and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here with your hand, put it in my side, and do not notice. Be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas then said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. You know what's interesting about that? Jesus' sense of humor. Think about this. He knows what Thomas is doing, so he waits until the next Lord's Day. All the guys are together, and they're trying to convince him. Thomas, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe. I won't believe. I've got to put my finger in the hole. My hand's in his side. And they're behind a locked door. And Jesus says, oh, this is going to be good. you got Doubting Thomas and the other guys. Yeah, he's really alive. No, he's not. And Jesus pops in the middle of the room and goes, Peace be with you. Here I am. Oh, by the way, Thomas, here. You want to put... Right here, buddy. In my side. Thomas says what? My Lord and my God. And he said... Stop your unbelieving. It's interesting because in, in, in the Greek, it's, it's stop your unbelieving. It was a present active parcel. It means you're doing this now and you need to stop right now. But Jesus is calling out. His death is calling out from over 2,000 years ago and tells you right now, whether you're watching online or you're in this room, Stop your present active of unbelieving, but believe. And he tells Thomas, he says, Blessed are you because you see and you believe. More blessed are those that believe without seeing. Now, who are those people? That would be us. That would be people that are coming to faith right now. Because I can tell you, Jesus is not standing right in front of us. So how do you see to believe? You have to see through the eyes of faith. You have to see through the eyes of faith that we've been given. Now, Peter saw and he doubted. Peter's faith was much weaker. Is there a condition of a weaker faith? Absolutely there is. John was the disciple that Jesus loved and they had this intimate relationship. Peter was loved by Jesus. But did Peter blow it? Did Peter deny Jesus? Why was Peter's faith weaker? Because Peter was carrying around his doubt and his guilt and his grief. Do you know that if you carry around this, this condemnation, doubt, guilt, and grief, it is harder for you to believe? It's a weaker faith. Why? Because you say this, how can God ever forgive me? Do you know people like that? How can God ever forgive? If God really knew who I am, well, newsflash, He does. Romans 5.8, while I was yet a sinner, Jesus died for me. God knows you. 
the weaker faith says, God can never forgive me. Oh yeah, He can. God's love is unconditional. His forgiveness is unconditional. It is a free gift that is given to you, not based on you deserving anything. It's a grace gift. And it's received through faith. The eyes of faith within that. In Luke 24, 12, Peter got up to the tomb and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings. He went away marveling at what had happened, but it never connected for him. He was struggling. You know what? Not only does Jesus have a sense of humor, but he's got a heart. How do we know Jesus has a heart? Because post-resurrection, as he went to talk with the different people and the different disciples, Paul gives us an account where he makes a special appointment to have a face-to-face conversation with Peter via an angel. 1 Corinthians 15, 5-6. And he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelves and then to the... It appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time who remain now to some have fallen asleep. Go tell Peter. And then he appears to Peter. What was that conversation? Peter, I'm alive. So what do we struggle with? We struggle with faith. We struggle with eyes that can see the unseen. It's only through eyes of faith. You're not going to understand it. Why? Because you're human. And, and we, if we try to use human eyes and human reasoning, we're not going to see it. All we're going to see is an empty tomb. All we're going to see is a grave. But if you sit back and you say, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding that I might see you. Open your word that I might hear you. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith involves the whole self. Mind, heart, body, everything together. A complete expression of saying, yes, I accept. You know, it's interesting. Faith is the anchor for the Old Testament saints. If you ever have a chance, read Hebrews 11. And count how many times the phrase, by faith, is mentioned. It was what anchored them in looking forward to seeing Jesus. Faith is the, er, faith is the anchor for you today to be able to trust in Jesus. It's a key that unlocks eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For by grace you've been saved, what? Through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not as a result of works. Can I work to understand? No, I have to stop by faith. The eyes of faith are going to see and believe that Jesus is Lord. So stop trying to figure it out. Stop looking at things from human understanding. What would it be like if you were able to through the eyes of faith, see everything that God has for you. It would be amazing because you would live a victorious life. Why? Because Jesus is victorious. 
And He's risen from the dead. You won't look at a situation and go, how is that going to happen? You're going to go, nope, God, you got it. Why well, don't get it? You don't have to get it. I got it. God, I'm trusting in you for my finances, my family. I'm trusting you for the future. I'm tr- trusting you for, for where I live. I'm trusting you for all these things. God, you got this. Grief, sorrow, depression, all gone. Why? Because Jesus took it all away and you can trust him. Is the world going to get better? I can tell you this. No. Is Jesus coming back? The answer is yes. So instead of looking out and being frustrated, look up and say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. That is our hope. We don't need to to look at the surroundings of us and, and be in despair. Because only looking at death and despair and darkness is going to keep you in fear. But seeing the resurrected Lord through the eyes of faith is going to carry you through every hardship, every difficulty. Why? Because you're looking up. Because your redemption is now. And every time you run into a problem, your redemption is now. Because Jesus said, it's finished. I got this. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you give to us the eyes of faith. To be able to see and to believe that, Jesus, you are the risen Lord. And it it doesn't matter what's going on around us. You got it. You are greater than anything in this world. And you are greater than the things that challenge our existence. May we trust in you. Lord, I pray for those that are in this room or watching online this morning. Maybe this morning you're here and you're in that place of grief, sorrow, or despair. You're looking at the things of this world or the politics or the rulers of this world and saying, well, they've got all power. I can tell you this, they don't. God's got it. And whatever is blocking your vision, surrender it and say, God, open the eyes of my understanding that I might see you. Jesus, help me to understand that salvation you have for me. And if that's you, then you can pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I confess that my sin is separating me from you. But you died on the cross for my sin. Would you forgive me? By faith, I accept this gift of life. Will you breathe new life in me? Holy Spirit, would you come and dwell within me and help me see Jesus? You pray that prayer. Welcome to the family of God. This is your resurrection day. Let's stand and we'll worship. Call me from the grave by me. You call me out of all my shame. I see the old has passed away. The new has begun.
Thank you for the amazing freedom that you've given to us. Amen. And we are free because, Jesus, you paid the price to set us free. And those you have freed are free indeed. Amen. As we go out into this world, may we live as people, the redeemed, that, that are free from sin and sorrow and suffering. May we live victoriously because, Jesus, you've won. And because you've won, we've won. Lord, there's a lot of people out there that don't know what freedom really is. May we go find them. Hold their hands. Walk them to the cross. And introduce them to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this day. May you bless this day in our conversation and our fellowship with family and friends. And may everything we say and do make you smile. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And praise Jesus and happy Resurrection Day. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 630 p.m. 
Warren Community Fellowship is located at 56523 Columbia River Highway in Warren, Oregon, between Scapoose and St. Helens. For more information about Warren Community Fellowship or about WCF Ministries, call us at 503-397-4387. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.